Welcome to On The Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On The Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On The Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, we are celebrating International Women's Day, and I'm sitting down with the incredible Sheila Ronning, founder of Women in the Boardroom, whose mission it is to make sure that women have a seat at the table. Without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome, everyone, to On the Spot. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, the founder of On the Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success through the stories and actionable advice from role models. But the key here is that these role models are relatable. They're women just like you and me who have blazed the trail, and we're bringing them to you so that we can help you walk your own path to success. And today I am super excited because it is the day before International Women's Day, which is a day all about celebrating the accomplishments of women and and really just reminding us about this women's movement and, and our movement forward. And we're super excited to bring Sheila Ronning to you. She is the founder of Women in the Boardroom. And the reason why I really wanted to have her on today is I really wanted to have a woman on. Uh, We have women who have incredible businesses all the time, but Sheila's business is all about helping to advance women. From its inception, which was in 2002, and that was, you know, Sheila, as I always say, that was before it was cool to get into the women's thing because I've been in it that long too. So I'm super excited to have you and just to talk about your journey and celebrate your promotion and your work in advancing women. So thank you for being with us. Well, oh my gosh. Well, thank you. That was quite the introduction. And I am, of course, honored to be here with you and just, you know, thanks for noticing us. And of course, there's so much buzz now, you know, we've just in the last, I think, you know, year or two, we've really started hearing about women and board seats. And, you know, there's just been a lot of buzz about it. But like I said, you know, we got to kind of flash back to 2002 when you found it. So I'd love for you just to tell the story of Women in the Boardroom, how you got started and why. Because again, sure, yeah. there was a deficit back then, but I don't know how much it was really being talked about. So I'm curious how you started. I mean, yeah. Yeah. right. Oh my gosh. I mean, I could go on and on about this part of it. You kind of touched on a few different things that just like, I always say I have shiny object syndrome, by the way. So it's like, I'm so easily distracted even. (laughs) So yes. I mean, people say that to me all the time. They're like, oh, wow. Well, you're really in a good space. And I'm like, yeah, I've been in this space for, (laughs) I mean, come on, like 17 years now. And I'm like, it's about time everybody else starts catching up. And, you know, it's, it's tough when you're a trailblazer because you're not always so popular and not necessarily always, I mean, people are like, oh, well, you're so successful. And I'm like, you know, you everybody really defines success differently. Of course, I do feel successful because I get to do something that I absolutely love to do every single day. And certainly there are days where I'm like, this is too many hours in a day. <laughs> I'm getting to do what I absolutely love. But... I feel like that a lot of days. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes. And maybe Maybe, you know, a couple of years, you're like, what? And I know we're going to talk a little bit about our transformation that we had too, which of course, that's always my big thing of like, you think you're done working, you know, 24-7, 365, and then, hey, guess what? You get to do it all over again. <laughs> but why did I start this? That is such a great question. 
So I, I'm in New York now, but I was in Minneapolis at the time. And, you know, this is originally, I'm an entrepreneur. I started my first business, if you will, in 96. I mean, I was only like two, but, (laughs) you know, it was in the late 90s when in order to go to like a networking event, you had to be a member of a a chamber of commerce or an association. They always made you pay that membership fee. And well, so I'd started my business doing sales marketing and PR consulting, was wanting to do a lot of networking with small business owners. And again, it was in the Minneapolis market, even though it's a small market, it's a very spread out market. And, you know, one, I didn't have the time to go to all the different chambers of commerce because there's like 15 of them. And I certainly didn't have the money to join every single chamber. And so I ended up creating my own networking event for small business owners. And it became the most popular event there. I ended up having it like five times a year. And the chambers were like, oh my gosh, hey, can we participate? I'm like, sure, just pay me money. You know, but you can sponsor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course you can. But so did that for many years. And my mentor came to me and said, oh my gosh, you're so good at putting these events together and getting sponsorships. And I would love it if you would create some type of event that helps women get onto corporate boards. Wow. I know. Right. And so this is many, many years ago. And I just said, well, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Thankfully, I was smart enough to, you know, this woman, Dee Thibodeau is her name. She is just such a trailblazer and so amazing. And she's someone you listen to. (laughs) So I did. I listened to her. And after a few years of having 600 people in the room uh, in Minneapolis, which was pretty remarkable, she said, well, you have to start taking this to other cities because women love this event. Women need to know this information. And I was just like, oh my God, what? You want me to go to different cities with this now? And so I did because again, I listened to her. So in 2006, I started taking it to Chicago. And by 2010, we were in 15 cities with it. Wow. Yeah. So you referred to that, what we now call the terminology in the, you know, in the cool hip entrepreneurial world is the pivot right? Every entrepreneurial venture has its pivot. And I think that that's a time when we often see businesses fail because they don't pivot or they won't pivot. But, and sometimes it's a confidence thing, but I think it's also a place where once you make that pivot in in the right direction, then it really takes your business to a new level. So I'd love for you to talk about that because you've got a, a good story about how that changed your business model. Yeah, it certainly was not a fun time. I'm sure you didn't have fun with yours either. But, you know, looking back, I would not change a thing, right? I mean, it was pretty devastating. It was one of those things where, you know, certainly I wasn't paying attention. And, but, you know, I did notice at the events that I was starting to feel, I mean, it had been nine years of these events and there really is only so many topics you can talk about with in a corporate boardroom or getting onto a corporate board. And I mean, it's a corporate boardroom. It's not that sexy. You know, I started to notice the events were getting a little stale. Mm -hmm. And I also started to notice even though, I mean, I've not had the experience of being a corporate director. And and honestly, I don't have desire to, you know, to go on a corporate board. I'm certainly the one who knows how to get you there, but I don't have to be an experienced board member to get you there. So nine years of listening to these amazing speakers who were experienced board members, most of them women, and, you know, around 300 of them, (laughs) I started going, well, okay, you know what? I've got Sally over here in Dallas who is saying something completely different from Mary in Denver. And mm-hmm. neither one of them is wrong, 
but that's their path. It was their experience, their opinion. And frankly, you know, Sally in Dallas is a Fortune 500 C-suite executive. And Marion Dunbar, she was a SVP at a, you know, mid-cap bank. So, of course, their paths are going to be different. But there was just one thing that stood out to me, and it was just that this is not rocket science. Mm -hmm. And it's all about networking. And if you remember my previous life, the networking event, right? I'm the master networker. So... You know, many things happened. I was feeling the event was getting a little stale. I also would have these women come up to me at the events and say, okay, you know what? I keep hearing networking, 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 and I don't know what that means. Or, you know, everybody thinks of networking as such a a dirty word, and, you know, it's not. And there's many different variations of networking, and there's a right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. Yes. But then also that little thing called the financial crisis kind of sealed the deal for me and wiped us out. So when I say I wasn't paying attention, it was because, you know, the financial crisis came and I was like, well, okay, well, that didn't affect us. It was the aftershock. And by the way, I moved to New York before the aftershock hit. So I had the aftershock hit me when I moved to New York. Uh, That had to be tough. Yeah, I mean, considering my big home in Minnesota was cheaper than my rent for, I was like a 2,500 square foot home, whatever, was, you know, cheaper mortgage than my (laughs) rent on my 700 square foot apartment, you know? Yep. So those things happened, and I knew at that point, you know, I had a couple of options. One, I could go work for somebody, which really just kind of even nauseates me right now because when you're an entrepreneur for so long, I mean, I don't know how that would play out. You know, I really don't. And my other option was to, you know, move back to Minnesota, but I sold my house. So that means I'd have to move with my mom. You know, the other one was that I could completely redo it. So, of course, I, I, and I wanted to stay in New York. So, I completely revamped it. And I just thought, you know what? I want to find a way to work with these women one-on-one. And I knew that attending an event, too, did not get anybody on a board. You know, you can't go to an event and get onto a board. That's just not how it works. So, right. I decided to create the membership platform and find a way to work with these women one-on-one and help them navigate that path. And... Oh my God, knock on wood, right? It, it works. It seems to, to reason. I think that the events are great for getting women excited about the possibility, you know, and I think that that's okay. So, oh, well, maybe I could do this. You know, this is really interesting. And then taking it to that one-on-one level where, you know, depending on, you know, where they are on their path and their career path and what level and all those kinds of little tiny things that make a difference in, in terms of what kind of board, you know, you can and should be looking at and those kinds of things. Right. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. And I was feeling really guilty that we stopped doing those events because, you know, I knew being from the Midwest, what everybody else thinks of New Yorkers, right? That it's like, oh yeah, well, I mean, they just don't think anybody else matters, right? So here's me stopping doing all those events in other cities. I still had some events here in New York because it was more like a feeder, right? Like what you're just talking about. Right. So I was really feeling that Midwestern guilt of not still reaching out to my huge network that I'd built, you know, across the U.S. So we started doing webinars and, you know, again, way before they were cool to do. So, you know, some of our older, we have such a huge library now. And, you know, some of the older webinars are a little clunky, but I just say, hey, the content's still good. I mean, we've, we've certainly 
a few of them to the curb, but, you know, the platforms have changed so much, you know? We may have issues with the one we're using, you know, today, but oh my gosh, I cannot tell you about those older platforms. But anyways, I'm, you know, getting sidetracked here, but yes. So how long ago was it that you made that pivot and how long did it take you to sort of get on solid footing again? Yeah, it was... um Let's see, it was eight years ago now, which is so crazy to think that. And it was so painful for the first two years. I mean, I went into serious debts and, you know, like cashed out my retirement, all, everything, you know. Friend, can I get 20 grand, you know? I mean, thankfully, you know, I paid all of that off, you know, a few years back. But so, yeah, it, it... Two years, two years to realize that it actually was working. And, you know, one thing when I think back too of like when we, you know, we went through the hard time, it was, I said to myself, okay, you know what, next time I'm going to know, you know, and how I know is if I feel comfortable. That's when I should be scared. That's actually great advice. And I completely agree with you is because things are constantly evolving and changing and scaring the bejesus out of me because I'm like, wait, what? I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? And if you don't have that, then you're not, you're right. You're not paying attention. I think that that could be a better description of what happens in businesses. So yeah. So it's like, I always say I'm a life learner, right? When we stop learning and growing, then we're dying. You cannot stay the same. So you are either learning and growing or you are dying. And I think the important thing to to point out, and I just want to underline because, you know, so many times, you know, we hear or, or what we see on the surface, just like you said, people are saying, oh, you're just so successful. And, and yes, you are, but they don't see what it took. And I actually have a friend that's a new entrepreneur and she just was coming up to the one year mark on her business and was just lamenting that she was almost breaking even, but how could she only be here after the year? I'm looking at her going, are you insane? You're doing fabulous. But she had no concept because she's like, but but everybody else, it looks like everybody else is within months, boom. And I said, yeah, that's what everything looks like. And I think that people get lured into this false sense of reality, which is, no, it takes a lot of debt and sweat and tears. And (laughs) and honestly, you know, I always see the people, I'm like, listen, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. There's not that many people that are as crazy as we are. (laughs) Very true. Well, I think that's a good segue into uh, the next conversation is, you know, really about this confidence gap. I think that we are really in this women's movement, really seeing a lot of this and kind of how do we close that gap for women and encourage them? And I would imagine, and I even think about, you know, word seed and it kind of, I mean, that would seems very intimidating. I'm probably one of the last people to get intimidated. So yes. So I can only imagine this is one of those areas where even the C-suite exec gets a little like, oh gosh, because you're going into something that's heavily male dominated and there are no role models, right? Nobody really knows what goes on behind those doors. That's right. I would love to know how you kind of encourage these women. How do you overcome that gap? Because I would imagine that's probably a big part of that first piece of your job It is. How does that lack of confidence hold them back? And like, how do they overcome and get through that? Well, you know, and everybody's journey is, of course, not the same. There's no cookie cutter paths and road for everybody. But, you know, because you certainly, on the flip side of that, by the way, you do have women who are extremely confident. And then you also have women who are confident and even in and feeling a little bit of entitlement. So that's a problem as well. And that's actually a harder problem to overcome, or at least I can't help them. 
you know? I can help the one who is not feeling confident, but the woman who feels my phone should already be ringing. I shouldn't have to pay you to help me. And I'm like, well, then why are we talking? You know, you don't have to pay me. Nobody ever said you had to pay me, but I don't have to help you either, you know? So how do I help them get over the confidence gap? Usually it's our first step, typically, if somebody does not have a board bio or a professional profile, which is different from a regular resume or, you know, CV or, you know, their marketing bio, we would have them go through those steps of getting those done. You know, so a couple of my coaches work with them on that. The one piece I don't work with them on, I just have no desire to work with them on, on resumes. So then they come to me and we start working on the networking piece and really that elevator pitch. That is really when I can just see them turn that corner because I write it. I mean, I love doing that elevator pitch. I can do it for usually in like five, seven minutes. So I'm that good at it. I will say so myself. Um, <laughs> No lack of confidence over here, by the way. That's good. I ask them a bunch of questions. I take notes. I draft it up, read it to them. And they're always like, wow. And I'm like, what do you think? And they're like, well, it's, it's kind of crazy, but that was really good. And, and that's me. You know, the important thing for everyone to remember is oftentimes people from the outside looking in can see you and describe you better. And I think sometimes it does come from that. Even if you don't display it outwardly, that little voice in your head, you know, that lack of confidence. And if somebody else can see something. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things, too, is when they're reaching out to their network. So I always say I'm their safe place. This is where no wrong question, no bad question. We just dig in. And what really is it? And it's, of course, usually fear, you know, it's going to their network and putting themselves on that equal level with them instead of going to them and putting themselves in that mentor-mentee role, you know, instead of saying, hey, Melinda, I'm really thinking about doing some corporate board work or, you know, I'd really love to get onto a corporate board. I kind of want that to be in my next step. What do you think? Instead of saying, hey, Melinda, as uh, an experienced global executive with a mid-cap size company, I'm looking to get onto a corporate board with my expertise in operations and strategy, you know, whether a company is in a growth phase, whether it's organically or through acquisitions or company that is needing to ensure that their strategy aligns with the risk they're taking is a company where I would add value. And I'd love to know if there's anyone in your network to connect me to. That's the big difference of the right way and the wrong way of talking to your network. Right. That makes total sense. And just being really specific, it gives people a better opportunity to help you. They know what you're looking for. I always say our network wants to help us, but we have to help them help us. And, you know, you think about if somebody were coming to you looking for a job and they just said, hey, I want to get a new job. And they're really assuming and putting it all on you. What is it that I can help you with? I want to help you. And a lot of times if we, as the receivers of that, if we don't remember what they do, then we feel guilty and we're too embarrassed to ask them like, oh gosh, I forgot what you do. Can you tell me? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So they get a board position, you know, and we've, we've all heard about, you know, in the boardroom and, you know, even when there's a seat at the table, you know, do they yeah. get their voice? And do you have any particular feedback from your women or like, how is it yes. out there? What's the landscape? You know, for years, you've always heard that it's really three you know, you have to really have three women at the table. 
And, you know, I heard that years and years ago. But the other day I was having a conversation with a woman. She's been on 20 different corporate boards. And believe me, there's actually a lot of them. I was really curious to have conversations with those women. And of course, they're just brilliant. You know, and I'm always like, well, tell me how that whole thing of like women not helping other women, right? And I typically don't draw in those women who don't want to help other women. (laughs) You know, so this is definitely a woman who does want to help other women. But she confirmed. She said, listen, when you're the only woman at the table, a lot of times, you know, nobody's even listening to you. And you're really just there as that token. And with two women there, it could be kind of a competitive situation. And if they don't kind of, you know, go arm in arm together, then that's going to cause some problems. But she said it is really when there's three in the room. We all of a sudden just, we have our grip or whatever. Yeah, and you have a voice that is actually yes. really fascinating and you know, just information and, and intel into sort of a peek under that. Because, of course, you hear all these things, you know, and the, the studies and the this and that. But to really, I mean, to have it articulated that way, I think is super interesting because it's all fine and good to get a seat at the table. But then how do you get your voice? And I think that what you said is that we need to teach women that if you're the only or if you're, you know, one of two, that you've still got to band together. Yes. Yeah. I mean, really, it's so sad how women are so competitive with each other and it just really needs to stop. It's so silly that, you know, it's always like, you know, you think that there's only room for one. No, we actually, you know, we hurt ourselves and men do see us doing it too, by the way. I think it comes from, you know, I talk a lot about this, the scarcity mindset. For example, if there are 10 seats on a board and nine of them are filled by men and one by a woman, the woman sees one shot. That's it. I got one shot. Whereas a man will see all 10. Even if, if, even if the board had nine women and one man, the man would see 10 shots. I mean, yeah. it's a, you know, abundance versus scarcity mentality. And I think that that's where that comes in. Whereas I think if women would just see that, no, there are actually 10 slots. That number can change, you know, I mean, even with, you know, now with California, you know, this new law Mm -hmm. and there's there's a lot of talk where companies are saying, well, hey, you know, we'll just add extra board seats. It happens all the time. And, you know, it's not a man versus woman thing either, you know? Course not. I do a lot of speaking in one of the very first, in fact, and speaking tomorrow, you know, we talked about this earlier in, in Ohio, and I think, you know, half the room is men. And, and I just love that. I love that because, well, one, I do love the look on their face when they introduce me because they're always like, oh my gosh, you know, she's going to guilt and shame us. And, you know, I get up there right away and I just go, hey, I just let's just address the elephant in the room. You know, I know I am the CEO and founder of Women in the Boardroom, but for all you men, I just got to tell you, I love men. We love men. It's not your fault. We're not blaming you. I'm not blaming you at least. And we don't want all women at the table either. Right. For sure. Now that's very true. So I guess just a couple pieces of advice as we're wrapping up here. So if women do want to serve on board, if they're thinking about that, even for their future career, you know, there are a few things that you tell them for resume building for them to come in strong. With our program, you know, obviously we talked earlier, it's a membership platform. And so we only work with senior level executives and you know we don't put a title on it because every company you know their title system is completely different so what we do look for or ask of them is you know hey are you in charge of a significant budget 
do you manage a group of people or are you in charge of, you know, the investments for the company, right? So it, they have to be in charge of the budget or making those investments or, you know, managing a large group of people. I mean, it's going to be very different. You typically can tell, and we usually go by no more than two levels down from the CEO. For those other people wanting to fill in the gaps, I would just say to keep working themselves up that ladder and definitely want to make sure that they know how to read financial reports. They don't have to know them inside and out, upside down. They don't have to be a CFO, right? But just know how to read them. There's many different places that you can educate yourself on how to read those. Yes, absolutely. And do you ever find any, and this is just a side question for me, but what percentage of entrepreneurial women do you find that are interested in board seats? Uh, not a lot. I mean, how's your time frame? You know? Yeah. The reason why I ask that is I just think it's fascinating because, you know, I've spent so much time in the entrepreneurial world, but I've really made an effort the last few years to get to know corporate women because I think that there is just a dearth of information. I mean, it's just a, kind of a vast wasteland that often corporate women don't have the kinds of resources and connections and networking events and those kinds of things that, that often entrepreneurs naturally yes. have. So I have a real passion for that and have built some programming with On The Dollar. Yeah. But I also find that we have so much to learn from each other. Like I've just been fascinated, like the insight that a corporate woman can have on something I'm doing and then vice versa. I'm thinking, gosh, that is so fascinating. And I think that that would certainly play out in the boardroom that I think that entrepreneurial women, I mean, we just look at things a little bit differently and we have a sort of a, just a different lens, right? You're exactly right. And I will tell you, I mean, we get in a lot of board openings, even though we're not a search firm, but you know, because I've been doing this for, you know, 17 years, I have a very large network, uh, people who are experienced board members. So they know they can come to us when they have a board opening, when they're looking for some great potential mm -hmm. candidates. And more and more, I do see the wish list of having that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. So it is definitely valued, but you are absolutely right. And when I mean, a lot of my girlfriends are corporate types. It's just really, really fascinating to me to have conversations about different things to do with work, right? Their situations are my situations. It really is kind of mind-blowing. And I, I'm. it sounds like you probably have had those similar experiences where when you've been an entrepreneur for so long, it's just like to have somebody who is so smart in this one area, right? And that's the thing is that they're very in that one area where mm -hmm. we as entrepreneurs, we really pretty much know everything, but we're just, we may not go as deep. That's right. But I think that's so true. In fact, I've even had fantasies about, oh gosh, there should be a mentoring program and mentor like a back and forth where it's, it's corporate women paired with entrepreneurs. I've just had such enriching conversations. It's just such a different perspective. And I really love that. And I think that as even big companies want to become more entrepreneurial and need to be nimble and, you know, just really looking ahead that, that, you know, perhaps more entrepreneurial women will be encouraged to, you know, to seek out those kind of positions. So I think they could be really valuable there as well. So what's next for women in the boardroom? You know, you had this big pivot and you're, you're no longer going to not pay attention. So what's next? It's funny. I'm sure too, as an entrepreneur, you, you know, even thinking back to the 
the woman you commented on earlier when she was like, I'm not being successful and I'm just about broke even after six months. You know, we tend to do a lot of things ongoing that we just don't stop and smell the roses, right? right? And for me, I know a few years back, I started this process where every quarter we have kind of our team, you know, call, but we also do a report on the numbers, not just, you know, financial, obviously. I mean, that's daily for me, you know? I yeah. Mean, I love looking at that. I'm talking about like how many Twitter followers did we have or how many speaking gigs did Sheila have or like the things that you might not necessarily really, you know, give yourself a pat on the back for. One thing I've noticed that I've I've not done really a good job of is keeping track of all the different companies where my connections are on boards of. (laughs) I know that may seem really silly that I haven't, but when you're revamping everything, you're just kind of in the weeds a lot. And we're putting together this database now. And I mean, just even after having a, you know, a group of people working on it, really going out and doing some thorough, thorough research on my connections, just within a couple of weeks, we came up with 1,200 companies. Wow. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's amazing. And so I'm pretty excited to think about the possibilities with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for over the years, we've tried our matchmaking program. And while it has certainly, you know, we still have it and it, and it works, it's more members doing introductions for other members. And for this program, I'm thinking about, I think it needs to be me, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm yeah. the one who's reaching out to my network and saying, hey, Melinda's awesome. But, you yeah. know, that doesn't mean I'm going to let everybody be in it either, you know, right. because it's my brand. It's my hard work <laughs> for the last 17 years. So, I mean, I think we're just, we're, we are, we're in a good time. You know, if I go back to what people are saying to me of, well, oh, you're really in a good place. I'm like, yeah, I haven't for 17 years. Yeah. Having a moment to relish in that, I think that is an yeah. absolutely good and valid goal for sure. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we have to say the, as the leader too, you know, I mean, I'm pretty competitive and, um, you know, it's not that I'm competitive with other women, but I mean, other groups or whatever, it's like, I love competition. I actually all think we should all work together anyway to really make a difference, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that I still want to be number one. I hear you. And that's good. No apology needed for that. That Absolutely not. (laughs) Nothing wrong with it at all. Oh, well, Sheila, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited. And especially, like I said, in, you know, the day before International Women's Day, I think we're really in an exciting time for women. And thank you for doing your part because it is a significant part and for recognizing it so early on. So we look forward to seeing everything that you do next. And tell us, so you're womeninthboardroom.com. Yep. Everybody can find you, womeninthboardroom.com. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you. I want to make sure I get to thank you before we get cut off. But yes, I just absolutely admire you and you should absolutely be celebrated for all that you've done. I mean, you started the magazine 17 years ago as well, right? Yes, I did. 2002 was a good year for women with us in there, right? (laughs) But thank you. And please let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot, where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass boss you were meant to be. Tune into next week's episode when we sit down with two incredible women from Israel, Dr. Yael Schuster and Margot Stern, founders of Stellar Nova, where they are on a mission to inspire children of all ages in STEM. 
Share On The Dot with your tribe. Like, subscribe, and share on the dotwoman.com, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you stream your favorite pods. 